This is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today's Friday, January 26, 2024. French President Emmanuel Macron is in India, but thousands of angry French farmers are inching their way to Paris. Reuters reported that farmers blocked one of the main highways linking Paris and Belgium on Friday. The blockade caused caused significant traffic jams as furious farmers joined with uh, German farmers who are protesting Agenda 2030 plans to shut down farms, eliminate meat, force people to eat bugs, and eliminate gasoline and diesel engines. True News has plenty of fresh videos to share with you today of the growing protests to the globalist movement to reimagine the world in the image of Satan. Yeah. Because that's really what it's about. Right. It is Satan's plan to reimagine Genesis. And the Rothschild's uh, president of France is in India right now. And so out of pocket, out of mind, out of step. Yeah, he's really, yeah, clueless. There he is. There's uh, Emmanuel Macron in India. He needs to get on his plane and get back to Paris. If he can get into Paris, they, they may have to parachute him in because the farmers are shutting down uh, the city, uh, plus uh, many other uh, cities throughout France. Uh, the French farmers have locked arms with the German farmers. This this uh, anti-Agenda 2030 and that's really what it's all movement about. started in Germany. Then it spread to France, and now, Doc, it has spread to Poland. Yes, and we'll be talking about that later. But i, I got to tell you what. One thing I've learned today looking at all these videos— is this, Doc. I will never make a French farmer angry. <laughs> because, wow. Some of the videos were... I had no idea today. that French farmers were this gutsy. <laughs> and I mean, when you make a French farmer mad, your life is going to change, all right? So we're going to show you what the, what the French farmers are doing. Um, we'll start with... Um, well, this first one, it says uh, French farmers line up outside Macron's beach house. So let's take a look and see what they've got going on. So got okay. All the tractors lined up on the beach there. This is right outside of Emmanuel Macron's uh, uh, beach residence and everything. So if he does ever come back from India. He's not going to go out there and sit on the beach, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. Or else he's going to look at a whole bunch of tractors staring back at him. Uh, next one. This is... Uh, French farmers and truckers blocking the A7 highway. And uh, th- these scenes are all over France. Right. And they're all over Germany. And now they're spreading into Poland. And the A7 is the main uh, artery through central Paris and throughout much of France. And so this is a significant thing. You know, Doc, one thing I haven't uh, brought up this week. There's so much news to cover, we can't get it all done. But in Canada, their Supreme Court ruled this week that Justin Trudeau's um, efforts to shut down the the Canadian truckers protest by using, remember he used a state of emergency law? Yes. The Supreme Court of Canada ruled that it was unconstitutional. Yes. But it still happened anyway. It already happened, but he can't do it again. I mean, officially, he can't do it again unless he comes up with 
another crisis. Well, I'd like to see the Canadian farmers do what the uh, uh, French farmers are doing. Here's another one. Here's uh, the, uh, the French farmers blocking another highway, the A64, uh, the east-west route. Uh, so uh, take a look at this here. Now look at how they're blocking it. That is blocking a highway. <laughs> Taking baled hay and creating walls to block the highway. And I like the idea. Use what you got. <laughs> you got hay, use the hay. You got manure, use the manure. Whatever you have handy there. And they are. They're using hay. They're using straw. They're using manure. Whatever hay. they have, they are using it. They're using backhoes also. Yes. We're gonna, well, one of these vis- videos will show you what they can do with a backhoe. Um, okay, so next one. Uh, this, oh, they're using their sheep. They're, yeah, they're bringing they livestock in. Yes. So this. this is the first one. We got two uh, videos on this. So the uh, sheep farmers are in on this too, bringing the sheep right downtown. If you if you don't have a tractor, you can use your sheep. <laughs> now, this is just incredible images coming out of France right now. We have another one here. Uh, there, here they are. They've got the tractors and they're leading the sheep right along the road here, and they're making it very clear. They're going to use whatever means necessary in order to fight the agenda that, uh, really, the globalists have declared war on farming and farmers and, they've, they've and everything They've declared else. war on humanity. You're right. And finally, people are rising up. Look, there are ways to fight them without using violence. You can yes. use sheep. You can use bales of straw and hay. You can you, use manure. You can use manure. They, they Look, they dump crap on us all the time. <laughs> Give them a taste of their own medicine. And, and you don't have to use violence, but you can be creative. And, you know, I, the, the Americans, I you know, the American people used to be spunky and gutsy. and I mean, you couldn't push them around. Now they're so doped up. <laughs> Honestly, half the country is on meds. Fumigated, fluoridated, medicated. <laughs> and docile. Yes. They become docile. They might as well be the sheep. They're the sheeple. They're letting Washington, New York do whatever they want to do. But thank God for French and German and Polish farmers. Uh, this next one. Um, number 10 here. Yeah, number 10. Let's look at this. So they're using whatever they have available. They're blocking roads, dumping tires, dumping loads of uh, vegetables, dumping loads of manure, whatever it is, in order to uh, make their statement. Uh, And we'll have more on this video where they're spraying the supermarket. Blocking highways. Well, the globalists sprayed us with chemtrails. Right. They spray us with, with, uh, you know, whatever fungicides they were using during COVID. All right, so now the people are turning back saying, hey, we're going to spray you with manure. I like this. I hope this continues. I hope it spreads. It'll help us vent some frustration. But you know what? The globalists don't know how to deal with this. Right, because they've never had anyone push back before. They've never had anybody stand up to them. And, And see, if you use violence, you've played into their hands. But you spray them with crap. They don't know what to do. <laughs> you dump a load of vegetables on them. <laughs> oh, wait! Do you see what the McDonald's? Wait, we do. Wait, do you see the McDonald's? Wait, do you, oh, yes. wait, do we get to McDonald's? I don't, it's it's coming up here. 
Um, number uh, number eleven. Number eleven. Don't mess with French farmers. So this is a downtown French city dumping hay, dumping manure, uh, basically shutting down a city just using the the, the means of production. All right, and uh, this should inspire people right now. That, can, can you imagine? You know, the mayors and city councils, the police chiefs of these cities, the sanitation departments. They're thinking, what, what's next? You're not going to believe what they just. You get, we wake up in the morning, and city hall has been, has been sprayed with, with manure, and you go, this is not going to be a good day. You just know, right? If you open up the door and it's and and manure's dripping off the, the walls, you know, it's, it's not going to be a good day. They don't know how to react to this stuff. They don't have any scenarios for this. They didn't war game it. Right. They don't have any propaganda to come back with this. You just hit them in the face with manure. You don't hit them physically with your fist. You just spray manure on them. I'd like to see this at the Bilderberg meeting and the World Economic Forum. Spray them. Spray them down with manure. Just say, hey, you want to know what we think of you? You know, just hit them with the manure. That's the world expressing our collective opinion of them. We're fed up with you. We're done. We don't want any more of it. Just go away and leave humanity alone. I don't know how many people feel like I do, but that's, that's where I'm at, Doc. I'd like to spray the whole stinking world with manure right now. Anybody that's a globalist, anybody who wants a warmonger, I'd like you to be soaked in manure. I would be I would be satisfied if I could do that. That would be that would be fun. I did stuff like that as a kid. Okay, <laughs> I got in. I got called. In, I got hauled into court. One I, I, my, I might have used uh, excrement at one point. I got called. I got hauled into court when I was about about eight or nine years old for doing something like that. But the guy deserved it. I will tell you that. And many years later, the judge, when I was an adult, the judge who was old at that time said to me, Rick, I know you did. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, I did. I did do it. Well, the French have a unique— Doc, wait, oh, no. We're, someday we're going to do a show on just things Doc did as a kid. Don't believe—if you think this guy was this little goody-two-shoes pastor boy— <laughs> He wasn't. I I can tell you. That's why I have an okay. evil doc side. That's right. <laughs> hey, so, uh, the French farmers have found a unique way to recycle old tires, Rick. Um, one is to set them on fire in town. So this is number uh, – uh, Well, that's French good for climate change. Yes. You worried about climate change, Mr. Globalist? Well, here's some smoke in your eyes. I think they increased their carbon footprint a little bit there, didn't they? So, <laughs> these guys, don't mess with them. I love don't it. mess with these guys. They they are taking this very, very seriously. And uh, wait it until should they be get an mad. inspiration to Just wait until world. they get mad, Doc. So, uh, we have some, some more fire footage here. This is number 12 for control. Take a look at this. This is uh, uh, farmers uh, starting using pallets. I mean, this is like, this is. Like scenes out of medieval Europe here, Rick. Mm-hmm. 
I'm precisely. And the next thing is going to be a stake in the center mm-hmm. with a politician attached to it. Now, I'm not advocating that, but that's where things like this lead to. The last thing that a politician needs to say right now is let them eat cake. Yeah, because the French will have something else for them to eat, too. So this is happening all over uh, France, and it, uh, as Rick is saying, it's starting to spread. There's uh, some video out of uh, one of the things that uh, one of the uh, entities that's out there that's constantly pushing uh, uh, the green agenda. There's all these multiple corporations out there. And uh, so the French had a message for corporatism worldwide with the probably the standard bearer, bearer of uh, corporate ideology McDonald's here. This <laughs> oh, they're delivering the fresh vegetables talk. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not going to go on your Big Mac. I'm going to tell you that right now. So they rolled this uh, rotting, moldy hay bale, uh, not a fresh one, but a rotty, moldy one into well, yeah, a Yeah, you're not going to waste your good one. No, right? you, the cows got to eat that. And so they're spreading this uh, rotting hay. Put all that on McDonald's. your Big Mac. So this is, once again, another statement by the French. They realize it's not just pop, pop, politicians, but... This needs to happen all over the Western world. This is the way to respond to the corporate elite. Just mess up their day. Just mess it up. No violence. Never kill anybody. Never hurt anybody. Never injure anybody. But just express how we feel about the globalists and Agenda 2030 and all their plans to re-engineer the world. You know, I'd like to see Bill Gates sprayed down with manure. There's a lot of, I could come up with a list of people that I'd like to see soaked with manure. They need to get a real message from the people. Absolutely. COVID, what they did to us, I'll never forget what they did. And what they've done to the Palestinian babies, I'll never, ever, ever forget what they've done that's changed me forever the rest of my life doc it's a it's it's a something's changed in me that i've witnessed a slaughter of babies by these warmongers i'll never ever forgive them for what they've done they would have to beg and be- i say i never forgive yeah if somebody truly remorseful asked for forgiveness but these people they're not close to repenting. They have no interest in it. These are the same people, the warmongers who are profiting from killing children in Gaza are the same people who are running the climate change hoax and the Agenda 2030 scheme. Yeah, and some of you religious folks out there be watching, well, Rick, you're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to do that. No, you don't have to forgive the unrepentant. That's right. Jesus doesn't forgive those who don't repent. Just think it through. Does Jesus forgive those who don't repent? Absolutely not. And what happens to them? They end up in the lake of fire. Okay, well, my my argument is is settled now. Until these freaks repent to humanity for what they've done, I don't owe them anything. That's right. Except extreme opposition, because it's a fight for survival. 
Look, I've been reporting this stuff, you know, for 25 years. 25 years I've been talking about the globalist agenda. Doc, way, way back in the beginning of this program, we were simply talking about what they could do, what they might do. What they're doing is beyond anything we were saying years ago they might do. And they use COVID to implement most of these new agendas that are rolling out right now. And there's a few people who are actually waking up to what's happened to them. Uh, We got some more French... Yes, we do. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, we already showed the McDonald's, didn't yes. we? Did we go through all of them? Yes. Yeah, we did. We all right. I like that. That was one of the, my best ones. Um, French farmers attack. Okay, so they're, one of the things that they're upset about are uh, trucks coming in from other countries selling produce at lower prices than they can than they can produce the the agricultural products and sell them inside france and, and in particular wine oh in france <laughs> imagine the french uh, import, allowing the imports of, of wine so this week the french farmers have been stopping foreign trucks carrying food and wine and and then just unloading the cargo on the road on the road like you're not coming in and selling this there, there's one of the tankers from outside of France being dumped out right on the road uh, because the the wine was being imported in and being sold at a cheaper rate than the French, and uh, so that impacts French vineyards, French farmers. Uh, so oh, look at all that wine! Tens of thousands of, of gallons of, of wine being poured out on the highway, and uh, so uh, that's where the French are right now, and so. Um, and in addition to that, now the the French farmers are actually uh, tearing up some of the roads that uh, are in France and everything. So we have some video here. So they're getting there. Hey, they're using the Israeli strategy here now. Yeah. Uh, so Thank Israel you, Doc. Can do, Israel can do this. Israel no one... does it every day in Gaza and nobody says a word. Right. So go, farmers, go. Yeah. So they the... learned it from the Jews. Yes. That's where they got the idea. They got the idea from the Jews doing it to the Palestinians. Right. So is it wrong for the uh, Jews to do it in Gaza? Well, if you're going to uh, condemn the French farmers, you've got to condemn Israel as well. So, um, I, think, I think this next one is uh, this is uh, French <laughs> farmers uh, going to the supermarket with some, some manure. Don't you wish you had a giant manure spray? I do. Rick? Oh, man, Doc, I'd be dangerous. I've got to buy one of those things. Just a big there, tank. There would be a shortage of manure. <laughs> <laughs> there, the price of manure would skyrocket because I'd be buying all of it. In in that particular case, Rick, they they put so much manure on the top of that entryway, the entryway collapsed. Oh, really? It was. They had so much. There was so much manure on it, it actually fell down. That's a lot of manure. Yeah, they should have just painted the the side of the building. All right. This next video here, this is something happened last night. I don't know if you've seen this yet, Rick. But look yes, at it this. is. Uh, SOS. These are the uh, tractors being lined up outside of uh, Paris with an SOS sign, lighting up with an SOS to the world about uh, the uh, protests that are going on in France right now by the French farmers. And uh, so pretty dramatic images there coming out of France. And so... Awesome. What we're watching, this is amazing. And now, as I said earlier, it, it, it has spread from Germany 
then to France, and now it has gone into Poland. And so we have some video coming out of Poland as Polish farmers uh, are fighting against the uh, climate change hoax and the agenda to shut down their, their way of life. And that includes getting rid of, of gasoline and, and diesel fuel. Getting rid of cows, getting, getting rid, rid of, of pigs, cattle, getting, getting rid, of, rid of, of farms. Yes, that's the goal. That's the goal, is to get rid of basically all means of agriculture. The latest thing that the uh, uh, green elite are trying to do, did you hear this coming out of WEF last week, uh, banning coffee. Oh, I'm that now. I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, oh, draw the I'm, line here, folks. Now I'm getting. I'll take up arms on my that manure one. spreader. That, but did no, it. they were saying that the uh, uh, the production and the consumption of coffee significantly impact the uh, climate change uh, agenda. You know what? What we got to get, Doc, are big backpack sprayers, M- manure backpacks. <laughs> And we you think go we in. Could sell them we could, <laughs> for your gift of fifty dollars to the ministry. <laughs> we go into these meetings and we spray them down. Oh my gosh, that would make a statement, wouldn't it? It would, folks. If you encourage me, I'll do it. Uh, it wouldn't take a lot of encouragement. I mean, at this age, what do I got to lose? Who cares? You know, I honestly don't care. I know what they are. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not impressed by them. And I know what they're up to. And I know who they work for. And it's far worse than the Rothschilds. They work for Satan. Yes. And he and I are not on good speaking terms. Um, Last fall, I think it was around October, uh, Roman Catholic Archbishop uh, Carlo uh, Vigano released a video and, you know, we talked about it then, but, you know, <laughs> things are so much news has happened over a period of a couple of months. We forget. We forget what somebody said that was extremely important to hear. Right. Because there's so much stuff coming at us every day. But the archbishop... It, it, in this video, many of you probably watched it, and and if you did, I think you should see it again, because I saw it then, but when I watched it again several days ago, I remembered, wow, he did call for global resistance. You've got, what, an 84-year-old Catholic archbishop issuing the call for global resistance to a satanic takeover of the world. Right. And so it's, you know, when you watch the video, you think, you know, the Archbishop is watching True News. Because we've been saying for years, particularly since COVID, this is a global coup d'etat. That's what we were saying here on True News, a global coup d'etat. This was the whole world is being taken over at one time through COVID, the, the COVID agenda. And so he issued this video back in October, but I... I think it's important that we watch it again. So here is Archbishop Vigano with his call to resistance. Dear friends, for two years now, we have been witnessing a global coup d'etat 
in which a financial and ideological elite has succeeded in seizing control of part of the national government, public and private institutions, the media, the judiciary, politicians and religious leaders. All of these, without distinction, have become enslaved through these new masters who ensure power, money and social affirmation to their accomplices. Fundamental rights, which up until yesterday were presented as inviolable, have been trampled underfoot in the name of an emergency, today a health emergency, tomorrow an ecological emergency, and after that an internet emergency. This global coup d'etat deprives citizens of any possibility of defense since the legislative, executive, and judicial powers are complicit in the violation of law, justice, and the purpose for which they exist. It is a global coup d'etat because this criminal attack against citizens extends to the whole world with every very rare exception. It is a world war where the enemies are all of us, even those who unwittingly have not yet understood the significance of what is happening. It is a war fought not with weapons, but with illegitimate rules, wicked economic policies, and intolerable limitation of natural rights. Supranational organizations, financed in large measure by the conspirator of this coup d'etat, are interfering in the government of individual nations and in the lives, relationships, and health of billions of people. They are doing it for money, certainly, but even more. So in order to centralize power, so as to establish a planetary dictatorship, it is the great reset of the World Economic Forum the Agenda 2030 of the United Nations. It is the plan of the new world order in which a universal republic enslaves everyone and a religious of humanity cancels faith in Christ. In the face of this global coup d'etat, it is necessary to form an international anti-globalist alliance which gathers all those who want to oppose the dictatorship, who have no intention of becoming slaves to a faceless power, who are not willing to cancel their own identity, their own individuality, their own religious faith.
If the attack is global, the defense must also be global. I call upon rulers, politicians and religious leaders, intellectuals and all people of goodwill, inviting them to unite in an alliance that launches an anti-globalist manifesto, refuting point by point the errors and deviation of this, this dystopia of the new world order and proposing concrete alternatives for a political program inspired by the common good, the moral principles of Christianity, traditional values, the protection of life and the natural, natural family, the protection of business and work, the promotion of education and research, and respect for creation. This anti-globalist alliance will have to bring together the nations that intend to escape the infernal yoke of tyranny and affirm their own sovereignty, forming agreements of mutual collaboration with nations and people who share their principle and the common yearning for freedom, justice, and goodness. It will have to denounce the crimes of the elite, identify those responsible, denounce them to international tribunals, and limit their excessive power and harmful influence. It will have to prevent the action of the lobbies, above all by fighting against the corruption of state officials and those who work in the information industry, and by freezing the capital used to destabilize the social order. In nations where the government has subservient to the elite, they will be able to establish popular resistance movement and communities of national liberation, including representatives of all sectors of society who propose a radical reform of politics inspired by the common good and firmly opposed to, neo, to the neo-Malthusian project of the globalist agenda. I invite all those who want to defend a traditional Christian society to meet together in an international forum to be, able to be held as soon as possible in which representatives of various nations come together to present a serious, concrete and clear proposal. My appeal is made to political leaders and to rulers who care about good of their citizens. Leaving aside the old system of political parties and the logic imposed by a system enslaved to power and money. I call the Christian nation together from east to west, inviting head of state and the healthy forces of institutions, 
the economy, labor, university, healthcare, and information to join a common project, disrupting the old system and putting aside the hostility that are designed by the enemies of humanity in the name of divide and tempera. We do not accept our adversaries' rules because they are made precisely to prevent us from reacting and organizing an effective and incisive opposition. I call upon nations and their citizens to align them, themselves under the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the only King and Savior, the Prince of Peace, Inoxino Vinces. Let us found this anti-globalist alliance. Let us give. It is a simple and clear program. And let us free humanity from a totalitarian regime that brings together in itself the horrors of the worst dictatorships of all time. If we continue to delay, if we do not understand the threat that looms over us all, if we do not react by organizing ourselves into a firm and courageous resistance, this infernal regime that is establishing itself everywhere will not be able to be stopped. And may the Almighty God assist us and protect us. I can tell you right now, Archbishop, I'm in. You get the meeting going, I'm in. I'll be there. We will be there. We'll stream from it. We'll participate in it. You just let me know where is the meeting being held. I'll be there, Doc. I'm in on this global resistance. Doc, several days ago, we reported the archbishop, not the archbishop, the, the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church told the Russian Duma in a speech to the Russian parliament, I'm just going to say it. We're fighting the Antichrist. Yes. We're up against the Antichrist. Now, we have this video, which is a couple months old. Archbishop of the Roman Catholic Church, at one time, basically the Secretary of State of the Vatican. Right. And he uh, he was the nuncio for yes. the Vatican, that Secretary of State. And, so. and he's saying there's been a global coup d'etat. Right. A takeover of the world. Right. He's called... Francis, a servant of Satan. Those were his exact words. <laughs> yeah. Pope Francis is a servant of Satan. So Imagine a, a Catholic archbishop calling the Pope a servant of Satan. Doc, uh, I don't think even Martin Luther said it. Where we're at in time, this, this is amazing. If you are a Christian, if you're seriously serving Christ as a Christian, you have to comprehend the magnitude of of the events that are happening right now yes, in 2024. The leader of a major church denomination, the Russian Orthodox Church, said to his government, I'm going to tell you right now, we're fighting the Antichrist. The former Secretary of State of the Vatican calling the Pope 
a servant of Satan, saying there's a global coup d'etat underway. We must rise up and resist it. Comprehend the magnitude of the age that we're in. We are racing towards the rendezvous with Jesus Christ. Two kingdoms are colliding, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. You can't be sitting in the bleachers eating popcorn watching. That's right. You've got to get out of the bleachers, get out in, onto the field and become part of the contest. Those who are just taking up space, the Lord may just remove you. He wants the warriors who will stand for him. Whatever role he has for you, you have to fulfill that role. Whether it's small or big, fulfill your role. Read your lines. Do what you're supposed to do on the stage, the stage of life, and know that Christ is coming back. We're going to take a break for American Reserves. When we come back, we've got some... Uh, we got some news about American politics, for whatever it's worth. We'll talk about it in one minute. The disciples asked Jesus about the end of the age. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you aren't troubled. For all this must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, plagues, and earthquakes in many places. I'm Dr. Robert A. Shuler, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year, buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com. Welcome back. True News. Check out the inventory at AmericanReserves.com. And I will talk I, to you. I heard a rumor. There's some new shortwave radios. Oh, really? They're on their way. I haven't heard the rumor. Yeah, and so that are going to be on the website. Yes. Are they so there yet? I'll double check. I'll let All you right. know here in just a moment. Um, we got a story coming up here in a few minutes uh, about a uh, a predicted date of when the United States and NATO will go to war with uh, Russia. Yes, we do have new radios. They're on They're on the website right yes, now? Yes, the hand crank radios. And so, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so check that. Go they to got American a solar Reserves. also? Uh, I'm not seeing. Uh, yes, there is, a, there is a solar one. Hey, how you know? Okay, uh, go so to the hand crank one. There's a solar one. Of course, we have the Texan that we've uh, been offering on American Reserves. And mm-hmm. so, okay, uh, go to so AmericanReserves.com, and uh, there at the top, uh, you'll see... Um, What's the tab that they have the radios under? Is it just uh, if you just put radios or shortwave in the search mm-hmm. bar, it'll take you right to it. Okay. So. There's one of the tabs that will open up to uh, to the accessories and uh, go to the uh, the radios. Anyhow, AmericanReserves.com. Awesome. Bloomberg reporting TV news networks are counting on a big election year, but the viewers are tired. Well, I'm glad to know that it's not just me. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Because I am <laughs> yawning this election year. 
I've, I, you probably can tell. Here we are. We're we're into the election year. We're barely talking about it. Yes. I don't feel like talking about it. What What's the point? Talk about? What's the point? I'd rather spray manure. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Then watch it. <laughs> I've reached a point where I want to spray manure. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just want to spray manure. That's where I'm at right now. I honestly hope we see a movement in the United States of a manure backpacks movement? with liquid manure and people rushing in and spraying the faces of politicians. I hope we see it. I'd like to see Chucky Schumer dripping with manure. I'd like to see Mitch McConnell's hair soaked. I, he'll freeze again. All right. Just make him freeze and let it drip off of him. Nancy Pelosi, all of them. I like to see him dripping with manure because that's how I feel about them. It's it's as close as I can get to really expressing my feelings about it. And I think most people feel this way right now. You're just fed up with it. So according to Bloomberg, 3.7 million people watched the uh, Fox News, uh, uh, excuse me, let me read this. About 3.7 million people on average watch Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN in prime time in the season that began in September, down 7%. Four years ago, 6.5 million tuned in nightly during the last presidential election. Yes. Look at that. It's, it's, it's cut time, in half. Maybe. Yes. The viewership of the news networks is down 50% from the last election. And even the recent New Hampshire primary, about 6 million people watched the uh, primary on the Big Three uh, on January 23rd, down from 8.7 million in 2020 and 8.65 million in 2016. That's a significant loss there, folks, for the Big Three. And this year's Iowa caucuses delivered 4.7 million viewers, less than half of the 2016 audience. Uh, although they competed this year with an NFL playoff game and Emmy Awards, it didn't help that networks called the race for Trump 30 minutes into all their special coverage. All but they also didn't these, show his speech. Right. And they cut off his speech. And all of them had these fancy sets that they built in Iowa mm-hmm. and New Hampshire. And some of them even – the biggest story was the building of the sets. I saw Fox and CNN do Only that. Only to them. Yes. Only to them. The yes. public doesn't care. They don't, give a hoot. they don't care at all. Hey, uh, but something to point out here in this story, Rick and I have been around media mo- all of our adult lives. The The election year, especially the presidential election year, is big money for radio and TV. In fact, advertising. Uh, some media outlets exist for the fourth year. It's like Christmas is to retailers. That's right. And so some... Um, Media outlets make their, you know, make Every two their years. budgets either Every two, two years, years or four years with the presidential election because there's so much money flowing around out there, so much flowing out there. Um, so keep that in mind as you are listening to radio and TV and you hear all these different ads and everything. Understand, billions of dollars are being poured in to media, right. even if there's not a race. Money that they will bankroll uh, their their propaganda agenda for the next two years yes you got it all right so doc uh, we've got uh, president biden stumbling through his speech is this the same one we showed the other day no this is a new one this was yesterday afternoon he's up uh, uh up north and was speaking at a beer plant and maybe he 
had one or two. I don't know. But once again, he's speaking in tongues again, Rick. Here's uh, uh, President Biden yesterday. The beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why he's talking what did he just say? The Bible says we need an interpreter whenever somebody's speaking in tongues, but I couldn't interpret that. And so, well, uh, that's, that's as bad as what he said the other day about uh, he couldn't pronounce America. Or whatever he was trying to pronounce. He was, I think know. he was trying to say America, but it, it, it didn't make any sense. He, it, just, it was just Gramps right. mumbling. Right. And so we showed this yesterday as we were ending uh, the first hour. Uh, but let's watch it again here. So this was from Tuesday, I believe. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Okay, Grandpa. I I still don't know what he said. And so, well, I think you figured it out. You found you found a video that's comparable. Yes. To to Joe Biden talking. Right. So uh, this is a clip. I, uh, I, I happened to remember this yesterday. And it, when I saw the Joe Biden clip, it reminded me of this a scene from a movie from a few years back. Watch this. Now the time has come to act and act fast. I'm leaving. Hey, you get back here, you pass. Can I say the winner? There's no way that nobody is going to leave this town. Hell, I was born here, and I was raised here, and that government, I'm going to die here. And no sidewinding, bushwhacking, horn-swoggling, crocker-crocker is going to roll away this is cutter. Now, who can argue with that? Robert! I think we're all indebted to Gabby Johnson for clearly stating what needed to be said. I'm particularly glad that these lovely children are here today to hear that speech. Not only was it authentic frontier gibberish, it expressed a courage little seen in this day and age. Like a true Democrat. <laughs> of course, I don't was, know what Joe Biden said, but it was a message of courage. That was Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks. <laughs> uh, let's uh, now that you've seen Frontier gibberish, let's let's look at number twenty-four one more time to hear Biden gibberish. We'll teach Donald Trump a, a valuable lesson. Don't. Mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. The sidewinding. There's our fearless <laughs> leader in World War III. Um, I've got a, a lot of stuff I want to get to before we run out of time. I'm, I'm going to go through some headlines quickly. Number 26 times the Hague today. The um, the International Court of Justice issued their ruling, and they said Israel should do their best to avoid genocide, to avoid genocide, but continue bombing the Palestinians. You can go ahead and bomb them, just but don't try genocide. not to be genocidal about it. Didn't condemn them of no, genocide. Not just at all. said Just try to avoid it. Didn't call for ceasefire. Just said, do your best not to be genocidal. That's all we need to know about the International Court of Justice.
to talk about it anymore. It's just a waste of time. I'll drop down to 28. We'll see if this is uh, genocidal. This is the Al Nasser Hospital that has uh, collapsed. And tell me, if, is, is, is this hospital... Are these scenes of genocide? Right. Is this genocide or not? Or is this just a misunderstanding, uh, a misinterpretation? Try not, try not to be so genocidal, Israel. Then, the, you know, if you could just cut it back 50%, there would only be half as many children on the floor of the hospital. If you were not so genocidal. Look at that little boy. Bleeding from his head. Blood gushing from his head. On I will never forget what Israel did to these children. Never. I will never forget. I will remind the world, as long as I live, what Israel did to innocent children in 2023 and 2024. And th- for the International Court of Justice to just say, clowns, you know, please avoid it. Clowns. It's just a clown clowns. show. You're right. How much money? How much Zionist money was transferred into the bank accounts of the judges? We know what happens with politicians in Arizona. Yes. You tell me the warmongers didn't buy off the judges? Name your price. Name your price. There are people here willing to give you some money, Judge. What do we have here, Doc? Number 29. I'm trying to remember. This is a 13-year-old child. Um, carrying a white flag. Yes. He and his brother, the the 13-year-old carrying the white flag was shot first. His brother ran out to get his little brother, and they shot him too. Executed by the IDF. Shot dead right in the street. But t- please try to avoid genocide. Please. If you can, try to avoid genocide. Um, this next one, I, I'm, I, I do want to play this one. Uh, this is number 30. This is... Uh, Channel 4 journalist John Snow, I, I believe this is uh, Great Britain? Yes. Great Britain. Channel 4 jo- journalist John Snow. And this is back in 2014. Uh, oh, this is 2014? Yes. Wow. And they were making the same excuses in 2014 that they're making today. Do we want to show it or, or save it for another day? Because I've got some other stuff I want to get to. Let's save it for another day. Yeah, we let's save it for another day. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll show you this one. This happened, I think, yesterday or the day before. Miss Nancy Pelosi was giving a speech. And an Iraqi citizen living in America interrupted Miss Nancy. And, uh, well, you can watch. You'll see what happened. Nancy Pelosi, you are complicit in the Israeli crime of genocide. I'm an Iraqi refugee, and I watch your government. You represent, kill a million of my people. You killed 70,000 Afghans. And now, over 30,000 Palestinians have died due to your complicity. We demand an end to the Zionist occupation of Palestine. We demand an end to the 17-year-long brutal siege of Gaza to be lifted. We demand an end. End the occupation now. End the occupation now. End the occupation now. End the occupation now. End the occupation. 
much money did Nancy and Paul make on war, personally, in their portfolio? How much money did they make? Millions. Millions. Hey, sprayer with manure. <laughs> That's my solution now. You don't even have to stand up and yell. Just go spray them with manure. That'll say it all. But what do you do when you're dripping with manure? Liquid crap running out of your hair and everything. It just, that's, that's the solution to this right now. That is my cause for 24. Well, we have updates on World War III, Rick. Okay. This is uh, the Express newspaper in Great Britain. World War III fears explode as Vladimir Putin slams Western ignorance and warns of grave mistake. He gave a speech today in uh, Kaliningrad, and uh, which is Russian territory inside Europe. And he told the students that he spoke to at, the, at a uh, Kant Baltic Federal University. Uh, he said, quote, this is stunning ignorance. Uh, well, uh, uh, he's talking about the removal of Russian war memorials from World War II. The Europeans are taking down statues like they do here in the United States. Right. And he said, this is stunning ignorance and a lack of understanding of where they live, what they are doing and what will follow. Confronting the challenges in the Baltic Sea region demands a united front and de- decisive action. Ignoring the potential consequences would be a grave mistake. No explanation what Mr. Putin meant by a grave mistake. However, we go to Daily Star, <laughs> another uh, tabloid in Great Britain. The exact date Putin will launch, could launch World War III, worked out by a war expert, and it's soon. So as a renowned international war expert has predicted the exact date Russia's despotic leader could spark World War III, and it could be as early as this year. Vladimir Putin has been playing with fire since first invading Ukraine in 22, while he reportedly clings on to power, despite the upcoming March 17 election already won. Professor Anthony Glees has named the exact date that he could wage war on the world, which is March March 18. 18. Yes. What, what this professor, and I don't know anything about Professor Anthony Glees. He's supposedly an expert on international war, or an international expert on war. He is predicting that when Putin wins the March 17 Russian presidential election, he will declare war on the West on March 18. And... According to Professor Glees, he he reasons that Putin, at his age, just want, wants to get on with it, right? Get it over with. That he's got one more term, and he's going to go to town on the day after he wins re-election. I hope he's wrong, Doc. I hope so too, but because March 18 is not that far away. But that goes along with the timeline that we heard about in the, in build here. But, a but what's weeks going ago. on? What's going on in March? It's already started the biggest NATO exercise. Yes. And this he brings this out in this article. 
that Putin will respond to the NATO exercise by launching a real hot war? I don't know. It's his prediction, not mine. But, folks, it, we could be a lot closer to a full outbreak of World War III than any of us realize. And also look at this uh, headline coming out of the South China Morning Post today as well. China blast NATO as a walking war machine. Uh, this is uh, from, uh, excuse me, from Newsweek. Uh, pardon me for that. Uh, so the Chinese government is lashing out at NATO as tensions between the strategic alliance and China's ally, Russia, grow over the war in Ukraine. So we're seeing a further division here in the uh, global order here as China is making a stand against NATO, Rick. Well, the signs are everywhere. And, and countries like Russia and China are not their words are no longer diplomatic. Yes. Remember, it's just a couple of years ago, Lavrov would say our Western friends. Yes. Our compatriots in the West. Right. Now, they curse us. And I, and I literally, if you read Medvedev's telegram post, they curse us. And. By all indications, when the, the real war breaks out, the, the meat of the war breaks out, it's going to be a bar fight. I mean, it's going to be a Western-style bar fight. It is. Hey, I've got one more video I want to show you. Um, this is from KUTV. This is number 39. This is, this is why you should always move to the other lane when you're traveling and you see a police officer along the side of the road. This is a horrible accident, but he survived. Miraculously, this officer, Oklahoma uh, State Patrolman, survived. Look, oh, my. Incredible. <laughs> Always move over when you see a patrolman on the side of the road. You know, that just anybody see any car on the side or just get to the other lane. That is, uh, that is a horrible accident. But thank God the man survived and was released from the hospital. Hey, we got to take a break for station identification. Um, coming up in the second hour is Morning Manna. We're into Chapter 3 of the Book of, Ma- uh, Book of Matthew and some deep teaching. Don't miss it. You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. Understood. Hey, welcome back. Hour two of true news, and uh, we'll be going into... Morning manna in just a few minutes. Uh, today's lesson is, uh, I thought doctors, uh, I thought we brought out some some pretty uh, profound, deep understandings of Matthew. One verse today. Yeah, Matthew. Matthew 3.3. 3. 3. That's as far as we've made it. One verse. The third verse of chapter 3. And we're talking about John the Baptist and... Uh, what does it mean when he when when Matthew said this is he meaning John that this is he that Isaiah said would come and proclaim in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord what does that mean 
And so we spent an hour digging down deep into that scripture and just bringing up rich soil. And I, I, I believe it. Uh, I believe it touched a lot of people's lives. Uh, we also have morning, or excuse me, uh, the Lord's Supper today. So, if you're watching this later than the 8 a.m. live feed, and you're you're now watching it in the afternoon or video on demand, you have the opportunity to participate with the body of Christ in the Lord's Supper. So, have uh, your choice of red wine or grape juice and bread. Uh, have it ready uh, so at the end of today's morning manna, you can join in with Christians all over the world. Amen. Participate in the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the Eucharist. The Eucharist simply means the great Thanksgiving feast. That's right. There's no spooky word, Eucharist. It simply means Thanksgiving feast. Yes. And as we said today, the Lord's Communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, His Holy Communion, Jesus Christ. He's the only one who invites people to dinner, sit down at his table, and he's the host, he's the waiter, and he's the meal. Yes. How does he do that? He's amazing. He is absolutely amazing. And you know what? You hurt his feelings when you don't come to dinner. He's inviting you to dinner. And come and dine, the master. Come and dine. Calls. Remember that song? Yeah, oh yeah, come and dine, the master calls. And and when you don't come to dinner with him at his place, at his table, you've offended him, you've hurt him, you've grieved him. He's serving himself. Right. His body, his blood. For what purpose? to nourish you, to give you eternal life. Jesus said, if you don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, there's no life in you. Excuse me? No life. He said, Jesus said, if you do not eat his flesh and drink his blood, there is no life in you. And it's important to participate. We've had people join us for communion today. It's been years since they participated. Don't go away. Here we go with Morning Manna. God bless. Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. We cannot express to you, Father, our joy and our happiness and our gratitude for being brought into your family and having you as our father and your son as our Lord, our savior and our brother and to have your Holy Spirit as our comforter and friend and to have your angels with us each day. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We're already ahead in this morning. We're already ahead of everybody else because we have you. 
And we just thank you that there's nothing that's going to come our way today that you and I can't handle. We thank you, Father. Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit's presence and his inspiration to teach us your word. Open our hearts and minds to receive truth and revelation of the greatness and the majesty, the glory of Jesus. In his wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we welcome everyone here to today's morning manna. And already 17 countries have checked in with us this morning. And so that's exciting to know that we have a global Bible study going on every day. Uh, as uh, Rick mentioned, we are just focusing on one verse today, Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, and I'll read from the King James. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way, to, way of the Lord, make his path straight. Amen. So Matthew chapter 3 marks a major shift in the gospel. John the Baptist suddenly appears on the scene, preparing the way for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. As we talked about this yesterday, John's sudden emergence broke 400 years of silence of the prophetic voices that had been absent for many centuries. His arrival was seen as a significant sign of God's presence and intervention in the lives of his people. In verse, verses uh, 1 and 2, Matthew told us, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In verse 3, Matthew reveals to us that John is the messenger prophesied by Isaiah. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. The words for this is he were spoken by Matthew, not John. Matthew informed us that this man, John, he is the same man whom Isaiah said would come someday. Even more, the Jews who eagerly anticipated the arrival of the Messiah someday also believed that Isaiah would return first to herald the appearance of the Messiah and to make a way for him. God spoke through the mouth of the prophet Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Doc, early this morning, I read a rapture dispensationalist website. I'm sorry, Rick. Oh, you're sorry that I read it? <laughs> All right. Well, I just wanted to see what they said. About, I wanted to see what they said about Isaiah and John the Baptist. Okay. I just picked out one at random. It doesn't matter which one you pick out. They all have this flawed theology. So the particular rapture dispensationalism website that I visited said that Isaiah has not returned yet. You, you mean Elijah? 
Yes, Elijah. I'm sorry. I said Elijah, Isaiah. They said Elijah had not returned yet. Yes, they believe that. But that he will do so before the rapture. Yes. They're waiting on Elijah to come. I'm going to read a direct quote from this particular rapture website. It said, quote, Malachi 4 says Elijah will return before the tribulation to announce that the Lord's second coming is near. The actual Elijah foretold by Malachi returns to the earth prior to the great and terrible day of the Lord, which they describe as tribulation. What did Jesus say? The answer is found in Matthew chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. His disciples ask him, saying, then why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered them, Elijah indeed comes first and will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they didn't recognize him but did to him whatever they wanted to. Even so, the Son of Man will also suffer by them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Let me repeat what this uh, unnamed rapture ministry teaches. They teach that Malachi 4 says Elijah will return before the tribulation to announce that the Lord's second coming is near. That the actual Elijah foretold by Malachi returns to the earth prior to the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now I will repeat what Jesus Christ said. Elijah indeed comes first and will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has come already and they didn't recognize him. But did to him whatever they wanted to, even so the Son of Man will suffer by them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. So I ask you this question. Who is confused about Elijah and John the Baptist? Is Jesus confused or are the rapture Israel folks confused? The Bible is not confusing if no. you read it. It's not confusing if you read it. Confusion and false doctrines get into people's minds when they do not read the Bible, but rely on other people to tell them what is in the Bible. That's right. I mean, for those of you in this class right now, you just got an example. I just gave you an example of how the rapture people are twisting the Bible. Yes. It can't be any more clear that Isaiah said John the Baptist is coming, that he is Elijah, and Jesus said Elijah has come. And he's John the Baptist. I don't understand how anybody can 
be confused about it unless you want to call Jesus a liar. And really what they're doing, they are calling Jesus a liar. So you just got an example of the deception from the rapture cult in America. So we have two Old Testament prophets who foretold the arrival of John the Baptist, Isaiah and Malachi. Indeed, not only was John the Baptist the messenger who was promised, but John had the spirit of Elijah upon him. Jesus said he had already come in the form of John the Baptist. If if John is the messenger promised by Isaiah and Malachi, you know, we should spend a few minutes examining the ministry and the message of Isaiah. Let's call let's call Isaiah. Let's look at him in his as a messenger of divine revelation, a messenger of hope, a messenger of redemption. Bible scholars and teachers and preachers often refer to Isaiah as the prince of the prophets. And he was one of the most important, influential, and prominent figures in the old covenant age. Isaiah's ministry unfolded during a very tumultuous time in Israel's history. And his his ministry spanned a period of somewhere between 40 to 50 years in the 8th century B.C. Isaiah's ministry can be divided into three phases. The call and his early prophecies is phase one. Isaiah, Isaiah's prophetic journey began with a profound encounter with Jesus Christ in the temple. You can read it in Isaiah 6. He saw Jesus seated on the throne. That was Jesus. The encounter served as his commissioning as a prophet. He heard the voice of God saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And Isaiah responded, here I am, send me. Second phase, the Emmanuel prophecy and the Assyrian threat. This is the part of the ministry of Isaiah where he issued the the prophecy in chapter 7 of Isaiah about Emmanuel, the birth of a child who would be a sign of God's presence and deliverance. He foretold of the, the future birth of Jesus. And then we have the phase of the promise of redemption and comfort. Isaiah, in the last part of his ministry, he comforted Israel. Isaiah 40, chapters 40 through 66, contain profound comforting messages. He speaks about the the coming of the Messiah, the suffering servant, the ultimate restoration of of Israel, God's people. And then we can look at 
the themes of Isaiah's messages. One theme was holiness and the divine sovereignty of God. He spoke of repentance and judgment. He spoke about the Messiah and redemption. He spoke about comfort and restoration. We can look at the purposes of Isaiah, the call to repentance, the warning of judgment, the proclamation of hope, the prophesying of the coming of the Messiah. So we have established that the prophets Isaiah and Malachi prophesied that God would send a messenger someday to cry in the wilderness that the Messiah was coming soon and that the people must prepare his way and make his path straight. What did the first, what did Isaiah say? So let's read Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 5. The voice of one who calls out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a level highway in the desert for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven shall be made level. And the rough places are plain. God's glory shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of Yahweh has spoken it. Amen. Now, let's return to the verse that we are studying today. Matthew 3.3. Matthew said, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Isaiah said that there would be a voice of one who calls out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Matthew said, for this is he, talking about John the Baptist, that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So clearly it is established that John the Baptist was the messenger prophesied by Isaiah. And, and if you don't believe that, you have to ignore scripture. You have to do more than ignore it. You have to deny it. Yeah. Ignoring it is, is, is passive. It, denying it is, is active. These rapture people deliberately, deliberately rebuke the scripture. Right. They'll, they'll they believe, deliberately deny the scripture. They'll believe Jewish tradition over scripture because Jewish tradition says Elijah will come. And that I mentioned yes. yesterday at, at the Passover meal, uh, they they invite Elijah. They save a, a space, you know, a setting for Elijah. They open the door for Elijah. They have a the cup of Elijah uh, in the Passover meal. So uh, Jewish tradition says, "Hey, we're we're still waiting on Elijah." 
And so dispensationalists and Christian Zionists will choose to believe Jewish tradition over what the word of God says is that John yes. the Baptist is Elijah. They'll believe those old Kabbalah wizards. And it is Kabbalah. Before they'll believe the word of God. I don't want anything to do with them anymore, Doc. I'm done with them. I, I'm, I've reached a point I'm done with them. I don't, want, I don't even want to be in the same room with them anymore. That's how strongly I feel about it. Yeah. Their defense of Israel killing Palestinian children, that did it for me. I'm done. Anyhow, Matthew specifically connected John the Baptist with Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 40. So let's read Isaiah's prophecy again. Remember, Isaiah prophesied in the 8th century B.C. Isaiah said, The voice of one who calls out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a level highway in the desert for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven shall be made level. And the rough places of plain, God's glory shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken it. So Isaiah said that there would be a messenger who would appear before the Messiah arrives. And he will give six instructions to the people. Maybe seven, depending on how you count them. Number one, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Number two, make a, make a level highway in the desert for our God. Number three, every valley shall be exalted. Number four, every mountain and hill shall be made low. Number five, the uneven shall be made level, the rough places of plain. Number six, the glory of God shall be revealed. So, Let's um, put aside this nonsense that Elijah has not come. Let's put aside this nonsense by the rapture Israel crowd that these prophecies will be fulfilled at the time of the secret rapture. Right. So I guess Elijah's secret too, right? Yeah, he's secret too. Their doctrines are silly. Jesus himself said that Elijah had come and that he was John the Baptist. Therefore, we know that the spirit of Elijah was upon John the Baptist. And we know that the Messiah did come to earth. God in human flesh. His name is Jesus Christ. We also know that Matthew specifically connected John the Baptist to the prophecy in Isaiah 40. This is all established. If I were a lawyer in court, I could lay this out in an in a argument and show the evidence. I could talk to the jury 
Here is the evidence. It's in black and white. I honestly don't know how people get confused about this stuff. And they're not confused. And they're being so they're not confused. They're deliberately lying. Doc, I've come to the place where I believe they're deliberately lying. They're deceivers. It's so it's so clear. You have to be a deceiver to, and, to teach something different. And if you do wake up to any sort of truth on it, there's the tendency not to say anything. You and I know a prominent evangelical preacher that, that that we've heard that has pretty much you know gone away from the whole idea of the the rapture and everything and yet he still preaches it still teaches he's it afraid. and he's afraid he, and he's invested in it yes his pride won't let him tell his congregation he was wrong but privately he tells his friends that he was wrong yes and this is a prominent individual. Rick and I both. Oh, it's a big name. It's a really big name. I pray for him. I hope he he uh, finds the courage to publicly tell people that what he's been teaching for 40 years is wrong. Well, so we know that Isaiah told us six things the messenger will tell the people. Have any of these things happened? Has the way of the Lord been prepared in the wilderness? Has a level highway been made in the desert for God? Have every valley been exalted? Have every mountain and hill been made low? Have every uneven path been made level and rough places made plain? Has the glory of God been revealed? If you are looking for a physical fulfillment of these six things, like the rapture people say happens in, in their fulfillment of prophecy, everything is literal. The answer is no. But Isaiah, John the Baptist, Matthew, and Jesus said the answer is yes. How has the way of the Lord been prepared in the wilderness? The wilderness represents our lives before we knew Jesus. Barren, dry, lifeless, separated from God. Our barren spirits must be prepared for the arrival of the Messiah who will bring life. The king cannot arrive and dwell in your heart until you have prepared your heart to receive him. How have highways been made level in the desert for God? In, in ancient times, in the, in the days when Isaiah spoke these things, in the days of John the Baptist, kings and queens sent forth messengers to announce their expected arrival in various cities in their kingdom. Palace teams were dispatched to make arrangements to prepare the roads that the, queen, that the king or queen would travel on to his destination or her destination. Rocks, stones, tree limbs, any other impediments in the path had to be cleared away. 
Yes. Potholes had to be filled. The king or queen had to experience a smooth ride into the region or city to be royally welcomed. The king did not want a bumpy ride. The, the king did not want to have to stop until his men removed a fallen tree or a boulder. The king expected all those things to be removed before he departed his palace. What kind of debris is in our hearts and minds that hinder the smooth travel of our King Jesus into the center of our hearts? What impediments of sin, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, greed, selfishness, and so on are hindering his movement inside us? What's blocking his movement? Such things must be removed for his pleasure. How have the valleys been exalted? It means how have low, how have low places been brought up high? A valley to be exalted means a low place is brought up high. The answer, the answer is found in Matthew 5, verse 3, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you are broken in your spirit and truly remorseful for your sins, when you know that you are a sinner saved by grace, when you know that without Christ, your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, then and only then are low places brought up high. Right. The Lord himself will lift you up from the pit of despair and hopelessness and set you upon a high place with himself. Praise God. He, is, he sits on the high places. Without him, we're in the low places. When, our, when the path for Christ to enter our hearts is made smooth and straight, he will come in and lift the low places up to where he's at. Hallelujah. Lifting up those poor in spirit is connected to two prophecies spoken by Isaiah. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, says, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also is he of a contrite and humble spirit, Praise to revive God. the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. When you have a contrite, broken spirit because of your sins, because you know you're, a, you're, you're, you're made of dirt and water, that you inherited a fallen nature from Adam, that, that is a contrite spirit. And if you have a contrite spirit, you're humble. God says that he lives in the high and holy place. With him who has a contrite and humble spirit. He's with him to revive the spirit of the humble. To revive the heart of the contrite. How does he do it? He lifts us up to the high place where he's at. Yes. He doesn't come down and live in the low place. 
He lifts you up to the high place. But the only people who get lifted up to the high place are those who have a contrite, humble spirit. Amen. Preach it, Rick. Isaiah 66, 2. For my hand has made all these things, and so all these things came to be, says Yahweh. But I will look to this man, even to he who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. How has every mountain and hill been made low? See, first we have the valleys brought up. But now Isaiah says every mountain and hill must be made low. Mountains and hills represent things in our lives that exalt themselves against the Lord. Mm. Pride. Arrogance, indifference, complacency, selfishness, greed, ambition, lust, gluttony, and all the other sins are high places where we build altars to our idols. The high places must be brought down low so that the Lord can be lifted high in our hearts and minds. He is a jealous God. He's not going to compete with your mountain, with altars to your idols. He says, bring them down before I come in. How has every path been made level and the rough places made plain? The path of our lives must be made straight. Without Christ, our lives are uneven, up and down, crooked, rough. Yes. When Christ comes into our hearts, and, we, and when we submit to the Holy Spirit, heaven's department of transportation goes to work inside us to make the paths of our lives even, level, straight, and smooth. Without Christ, the path of our lives looks like unpaved country roads. And we've got them here in Florida. Yes. We have a lot of roads paved with sand. And that's all it is. It's a path through the sand. But with Christ, heaven brings in earth-moving equipment, bulldozers, graders, dump trucks, to straighten the road, make it level, and yes. lay down a modern paved highway to blessings. John was in the desert shouting, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. This must be our message today. Jesus is coming a second time. People must prepare his way. The king is coming. We must be the John the Baptist of today. Preparing the people, the, the lost, the unsaved. We need to be in the wilderness of their lives shouting, prepare the way. Make your lives ready. Get yourself ready to receive the king. He's coming. You must, you must prepare your heart and your mind. You must bring down the idols in your life. He will lift you up to a high place if you're humble and contrite. That's the message the church should have today because that's the message the church has always had. Amen. When we submit to the Holy Spirit, 
and allow him to do the necessary highway construction in our hearts and minds, our lives will exalt the Lord. And the people around us will see the difference. And they will glorify the name of Jesus. And Isaiah 40 will be fulfilled. It's fulfilled every time a sinner becomes a saint. Isaiah 40 is fulfilled every time a sinner becomes a saint. Every time a saint submits more to Christ, allows the Holy Spirit to have more say in his or her life. Isaiah 40 is fulfilled because the name of the Lord is glorified. That's it, Doc, for me for chapter chapter 3, verse 3. We'll pick up verse 4 on Monday. Praise God. Well, we appreciate that, Rick. And uh, uh, once again, uh, it seems like a lot of dispensationalists and Christian scientists would rather believe uh, Kabbalah tradition than they would believe the Word of God. So if we have one takeaway from uh, our Bible study today, it's that Elijah has come. Jesus confirmed this. Matthew confirms this. He confirms it as a fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah. There's no middle ground on this. There's no discussion about it, really. It's, it's, it's done. It's said. It's, it's complete. And for anyone else to come along and throw uh, some other false doctrine out there about waiting for Elijah to come is uh, just trying to confuse things. And we know who the author of confusion is, don't we, Rick? We sure do. We also know who is the father of lies. That's right. And so, uh, so you can be he tells lies to confuse people. That's right. And so you can be confident. Uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of us have uh, uh, had our own backgrounds in uh, dispensationalism and coming out of that and everything. And sometimes you wonder, well, how do I answer those who say things like this? Well, you've got a clear cut answer here on the Elijah question. There's no doubt about it at all. So. Uh, so I hope that's a good takeaway for you today. Um, all right. Well, we're getting ready to uh, participate in the Lord's Supper, the communion. And so what I'd like for you to Doc, do. Can I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Rick. Uh, no, no. Can I, I want to say something before we, we, we have the Lord's Supper. Um, we are blessed. We have a, a lot of people watching Morning Manna every day. Um, you know, in the live real-time um, session, which we're doing right now, you know, 350 to 400 people every day. And then later in the day, during the repeat in the afternoon, five to 7,000 online, thousands and thousands on international shortwave radio on many continents. We don't even know how many. And then throughout the day, with video on demand on faith and values, we have another group of people that that watch Morning Manna later in the day, right? According to their schedule, when they're driving, when they're working, doing. So we don't know how many tens of thousands of people are watching Morning Manna. You're being fed. You're coming every day and you're being fed. I know many of you are, are supporters of 
this ministry. Those of you who are on the Faith and Values platform, you, I know you are, because that's how you got there. You're a supporter. So I know you are. But with everybody else out there, as of right now, very few of you are supporting this ministry. And I just want to invite you to talk to the Lord about what he desires you to do in support of this ministry. We like you coming to be fed. I like getting up, preparing the meal for you. I'm not complaining at all. I got up at 4 a.m. today to start on this lesson. I'm not complaining. I don't want any pity. I love it. I, I thoroughly enjoy doing it. I, I, I like making this meal. But those of us who work in the fields for the Lord, we also need to eat. We also need to pay our bills. Paul said, and he's talking, Apostle Paul, he made this statement twice, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Timothy 5. He was talking about offerings to support the church. He said, it is written in the laws, in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. He said, is, is it for the ox, oxen that God cares? And then he says in, in Timothy, you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain. The laborer is worthy of his wages. If you had a, an ox that you used every day for farming, to plow, to pull wagons, to pull logs. You would feed the ox. It would be inhumane to make that old ox get up and work and not feed him. Yes. That would be inhumane. You wouldn't do that to an animal. You wouldn't make an animal work every day and not feed him. For one reason, just out of your own self-interest, you're going to starve the ox to death and he's not going to be there to work for you. Right. But the second thing is it's inhumane. Why would you do that? The animal is working for you. That old ox is coming out of the barn in the morning and pulling those logs for you and not complaining, not griping, just doing what he's supposed to do. The least you can do is feed the ox. That's what Paul's saying. So those of you who are feeding at the trough, coming in for morning manna to be fed, you too should feed the teachers. And all I'm asking for is for you to each month send an offering to Faith and Values. You can do it at the True News website. That's the easiest place to go to. You can send a check by mail as P.O. Box 3, what is it, Doc? 331? 399. I think that's our new box in Vero Beach. And the, and the zip is 32961. Um, 
go to truenews.com. The addresses are there. The phone numbers are there. The, the ability to give online is there. And show your appreciation for the work that we're doing for you. We have others on the staff. We have a, we have a staff that we have to take care of. We have, we have a building we have to pay for. We have a lot of expenses. You don't even want to know how much we pay for bandwidth to get this out every day. Just the bandwidth. You would fall back and gasp if we, if we told you how much we spend in bandwidth. We're not griping. We're not complaining. We're, we're doing the work like, like a faithful ox in the field. Because this is the work the Lord has called us to do. But Paul said, you wouldn't muzzle an ox. You wouldn't put something over his mouth and say, work, you cannot eat. Right. That's what he's saying. A, a farmer wouldn't put a muzzle over the mouth of the ox and say, I, I command you to work, but you cannot eat. Nobody would do that. So please become involved. You've, you've heard enough word. You should have faith now in giving. You should have faith by now. If you've been here in Morning Manor for months, you should have the faith to give. Give to this ministry and watch what God does in your life. Just watch. The blessings of heaven will come upon you. That is a promise. I guarantee you the blessings of heaven will come upon you. I've had people, and I could call out names right now, who said to me, Rick, if I had known you, I've been watching you for years, but I've only been given giving for, you know, maybe say one or two years. If I had known back then what God was going to do in my life, if I was a giver, I would have been giving to your ministry years ago. I had multiple people say that to me. Multiple people. I, I know one man, and I'm thinking of right now, and God has blessed that old boy so much since he became a partner with this ministry. Everything that man touches turns to gold. Everything he touches. Everything. God has blessed him. When he became a giver to this ministry, God blessed him. I'm, I'm just encouraging you to do the same thing. Amen. Let's go ahead. Let's have the Lord's Supper. And... Um, Let's enter into communion. Doc, I'm going to pray uh, for our hearts to be prepared okay. uh, to receive the body and blood, the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Father, you told us to examine our hearts and not to eat the body and drink the blood of Christ unworthily. And so, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will now search our hearts and minds and show us the things that we have done and said and thought that were sinful or unpleasing to you and the things that we did not think, did not do, did not say that were not pleasing to you. Because sometimes we miss the opportunity when you want to speak through us to somebody and we don't do it. Father, help us to be faithful every day. Forgive us. Forgive us of our sins. We're so grateful, Father, to have a Savior every day. 
a savior who didn't just save us when we cried out for salvation, but a savior who is with us every day to forgive today's sins. We thank you, Father. We praise you in his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have the elements of communion ready, uh, the elements of the Lord's Supper, including bread and either red wine or grape juice, we're going to pray a blessing over uh, those elements of communion here in just a moment. Uh, We practice uh, communion here uh, on a regular basis because we believe that's what the Lord asked us to do until he comes again. Uh, If you are a confessing believer in Jesus Christ, that you believe God raised him from the dead, according to the scriptures, and you've been baptized in water, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we invite you to participate in this, the Lord's Supper. And we ask that you would uh, uh, join together with us right now as we pray over the elements of communion for all of us that are participating today. Join with me in prayer. Almighty God, in your tender mercy, you gave your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. He offered himself and made once for all time a perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He instituted this remembrance of his passion and death, which he commanded us to continue until he comes again. And so, Father, we ask you to bless and sanctify with your word and with your Holy Spirit these gifts of bread and wine that we may partake of his most blessed body and blood. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. Please repeat after me. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Glory to God. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. This is the bread of heaven. Take and eat in remembrance that Christ died for you. After supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Drink the cup of salvation in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be thankful. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world, And blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This sacrament is the gift of God for the people of God. Feed on him by faith with thanksgiving that Christ died for you. Praise the Lord. Glory. Amen. Doc, I want to ask, uh, from time to time, we ask our online class, how many of you, this is the first time you have participated in Holy Communion with us on morning manna. How many of you, this is, today is the first time you've had Holy Communion with us. Do we have any first timers out there today? I was just wondering. 
Okay, there we go. Um, first time, Maria, Chris, Ann, um, Terrell. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Matthew, uh, Arlene. Praise God. Anybody else? First time? Um, Perry, is that a yes? Thank you. Praise God. All right. So now for those of you who said yes, this is the first time to have Holy Communion with us. How long has it been since you've had the Lord's Supper in your life? How long has it been? Now tell me, those of you who answered yes, today's the first. Tell me, weeks, months, years, What? how long has it been since you've had the Lord's Supper? Months. Matthew says months. Maria says five years. Wow. Eight um, years. Terrell, eight years. Marcy, two weeks. Chris, three years. And months. Praise God. Hey, Rhonda, two to three months. Do you feel good? Do you feel good that you've come in from the desert? and come to the dinner table. You've come in to the dinner table to let the Lord serve you. Isn't it amazing? The Lord, he's the one who invites you to dinner. He's the host of the dinner. He's the waiter and he's the meal itself. Yes. It's amazing. It's his table. He invites you to his table. He waits on you at his table, and then he serves himself to you. Yes. Wow. Uh, He's awesome. We just had someone here. It had been 21 years, Rick. 21. Praise God. Praise God. You're back. You're back at the Lord's table. Amen. You've come home to the Lord's table. Uh, this is very rewarding to me, and I know it is to Doc, too. Yes. Very rewarding. And the Lord, the, the Lord is going to refresh you. Those of you that this is your first time, he's going to refresh you. You're going to, you're going to sense the presence of God in your life today. Amen. You're just going to know there's something different. You're just going to feel it. Well, doc, I guess we should wrap it up. It's, it's about that time to yes, sir. say goodbye for Friday. We'll be back on Monday with, uh, Verse four, yes, of chapter three of the Taking book of Matthew. Time. So, yeah, uh, and we had at least eighteen countries on today. There might have been a couple more that came on uh, after we got into the Bible study, and so uh, this is a normal occurrence. Uh, if this is your first time or this is your first week with us, uh, normally we have anywhere from uh, fifteen to twenty countries checking in every single day for morning manna. We are so humbled by that, so privileged that people from all over the world that would join us for this uh, live Bible class, 8 a.m. Eastern time here in the U.S., various times across the globe. It's amazing. There are people that get up in the middle of the night, Rick, to uh, join us for uh, morning manna. For some of them, it's midnight manna. And so, I know. It's amazing. It's, uh, 
so, uh, and we do this every weekday morning, 8 a.m., so we invite you to join us. If you're listening, uh, listening to us on the live stream in the afternoons following True News, you can always join us live in the mornings at 8 a.m. on Faith and Values. But in order to join us live, you have to be a member of Faith and Values, but that's easy. Just go to faithandvalues.com and you can join us. And not only uh, will you get to participate in the uh, live version of Morning Manna, but you'll also be able to hear replays of Morning Manna, replays of True News, and uh, other content that we produce that's available exclusively on Faith and Values. Any final words before we depart for today, Rick? Thank you. Now be blessed. Enjoy the weekend. Spend time with the Lord and with those you love. Be quiet. Let the Lord speak to you. Turn off the noise of the world and uh, let him let him have some time in your life. Amen. Well, praise God. And we will see you on the Monday edition of Morning Man. God bless you. We love you. Hey, I gave out the wrong mailing address in Morning Man. Uh, our new address is Post Office Box. There it is. Okay. 399. P.O. Box 399. I don't want that guy at 331 to get our get donations. Alarm, All right. Send them to P.O. Box 399 in Vero Beach, Florida. And the new zip code is 32961. Some people are still sending to the old address. It's okay. We're still picking up the mail. It's all right. Right. But this is the new address, and the post office is literally around the corner. Right. Rick, at the end of Morning Manna today, I really appreciate you speaking to the folks there and everything and, and telling them it's important to invest in ministry where, you, where you're being fed. Yeah. Look, there's, there's thousands of people. We have no idea. How many people? We know it's in the thousands who are watching Morning Manna five days a week. And the Lord expects you to to financially make offerings to the ministries that feed you. Right. It, that's a biblical principle. I mean, Paul taught it. Apostle Paul taught it. That's It's a biblical principle. And so for the thousands of people who are dining five days a week, at the table with morning manna, then each month make an offering. Some of you may want to make this ministry the number one ministry that you give offerings to every week from your paycheck. That's up to you. That's between you and the Lord. But you're being fed and you're receiving from the Lord. So, so back into this ministry. Amen. Be a blessing to us. We're being a blessing to you. We love feeding you the Word of God. We got to go. We'll be back here on Monday with more news and morning manna. listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter.